The 42's Rugby Weekly Extra podcast. It's an absolute mess for them now. Everything in the world of rugby covered in one place. At the moment, there's not one part of the game that's, that's functional. This tour just puts them up there as a world-class player. Expert analysis from Bernard Jackman, Owen Toulon and Murray Kinsella. Maybe this is the end of this cycle of this group who, who have been underperforming for a long time. Reaction from the weekend's games. I don't see how any captain wouldn't be really pissed off in that circumstance. Big name interviews. Check was mad. He got something out of that team that I don't think any other coach could. Plus, exclusive access to Murray's weekend newsletter. Get all of this and more by becoming a member. Sign up today at members.the42.ie I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie Weekly. Then the first pass. Hey everybody, it's Gavin Casey here. On Wednesday just gone, Murray Kinsler, Bernard Jackman and I were joined by Leinster and Ireland back row Will Connors and a live audience at Dublin's Harcourt Hotel, where we looked ahead to Ireland, South Africa. The full show is available to listen back for the 42 members, and you can become a member by visiting members.the42.ie where you can gain access to all of our exclusive membership offerings, including two extra rugby podcasts per week. If you're not yet a member, here's a taste of Wednesday's show with Will Connors. I know Gav wants to ask you about Ireland. I'm going to digress for, for two seconds. Every time I ask one of the other Leinster players about you, they say porridge. They yeah. call you porridge. Is that literally because you like porridge? Yeah, and, and everyone, always, uh, everyone always wants a story to it. And actually, I'm going to make up a really good story at some stage. But... Uh, and I said that last time, but I, I it, like, when I was in school, I just used to carry around a little microwavable oats. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just thought, I don't know if people agree, but like they're shredded a little bit, so they actually blend better when you put them into the microwave, just with a good drop of milk. They just, they settle better. Yeah. Um, the jumbo oats, I don't think are as, uh, as good in the microwave, but. Yeah. Porridge kind of sore. Yeah. Just, uh, your just, mind. Just on porridge, yeah. No, not porridge, no, no, no. <laughs> Move away. Do I look like a man who eats porridge? Uh, full Irish. Um, you mentioned drug tester and it reminded me of a story. Um, I played with a, a prop from the Cook Islands called Stan Wright. He played for Leinster. Big Stan. And um, we played Edinburgh away one night in the in the Magners League. And we were very poor. We got beaten. And Michael Cechka was was quite irate and wasn't happy and uh, Stan was one of the players called out to do his drug test and I think Rob Carney was the other so of course Rob Carney being perfect he pees straight away no problem he gives a sample and, and uh, we all go up and have food and we were getting a charter flight out that night out of Edinburgh airport and if we don't take off by 12 o'clock we have to stay overnight because the air traffic control shut down or whatever so there was a bit of pressure on and um, so we were all in a bus anyway and Stan was still in the dressing room with, uh, with the drug tester and uh, Cheka went into him and Stan's like Michael I can't whatever right I can't produce and uh, Cheka was like have a few beers so he's drinking beers which he was good at right and um, uh, he was happy enough actually right he was, he, was quite, he was having a good chat with the drug tester so I was thinking it's about 10 o'clock now and we're running out of time and uh I was quite close to Stan, so Cheka said to me, get the fuck in there and get him on the bus, right? And so I went in and Stan said, Stan, um, can you produce a sample? And he's like, no, I don't think so, whatever. So um, I said, look, maybe go in and turn on the tap, right? And that might trigger something, right? So, uh, so anyway, he goes in, turns on the tap. The drug tester has to see you provide a sample. And um, so nothing happened. So uh, Cheka said, 
right, we're going without him. All right, so I said, Stan, we're going to have to leave you here tonight, whatever. <laughs> right? Which normally wouldn't be a big deal, but um, uh, he'd be happy enough to stay. But he wanted to come back with us. So um, anyway, I said, look, Cheka said we're gone, whatever. And Stan, I was like, are you sure you can't provide a sample? He goes, no, I can't, whatever. He goes, the only thing is, when I do a number one, I usually do a number two, right? <laughs> uh, and I could see the drug tester's face, right? There, right? And uh, Cheka was like, man, I don't give a fuck. Get in there and do it, right? <laughs> so, so next thing, they go into the cubicle anyway, and there was, there was ample amount of fluid. And uh, I never forget the guy's face. I mean, no matter what he got paid that night, it wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth it. <laughs> we made our flight. We made our So uh, back to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think I just need to leave that one linger for a couple of seconds. <laughs> uh, I thought you wanted me to follow up on that or something. <laughs> move on, move on. Do you produce samples okay? Yeah. <laughs> You've experienced that, uh, well, that feeling of being an international now nine times. And are you, you're still living with Jimmy O'Brien, right? And he's involved in the squad this time again. And... Hopefully he will get a shot over the course of November. Is it something you guys would talk about when you're at home? Like just the fact that you've felt what it's like to put on the green jersey and that responsibility and, and that honor as a player, something you're working towards for ages or like to what extent do you guys even chat about rugby when you're kicking back at home? Yeah, like sometimes uh, you get frustrated maybe after a game of FIFA or something and you just that's when it all kind of pours out you know we're, we're sitting there in seasons in division three and we get knocked down to division four and then you start and you're like oh, everything starts pouring out but that's like you know you do you do uh you do have those conversations sometimes we kind of it's more like like when you're living at home with someone like is we do have like a, it's a just a standard relationship we try to not talk about rugby but like we do talk about that and you know because i know like jimmy is all the ability in the world at the moment and I can't wait to see him get his chance because I know that like um, once he gets out there it's going to be it'll be one of those kind of nearly shocked world things because even like I was chatting to you about it before like when we were coming up through the age grades I remember um, at under 18s like he he used to have to sing nearly jazz hands he'd carry the ball like this but like when you're a young lad people don't understand like what's he doing with the ball and uh, I remember he just cut the fences with it and he still he just has that kind of natural kind of innate kind of ability to him but like do we talk about it probably probably like we get a little kind of feeds of it but like you know we deep down no so what's coming out after relegation in seasons on FIFA? Is it like character assassination stuff more so than rugby flood? Yeah, it's a bit of everything. Do you know, I've pour my heart out to him. It's kind of like, it's like you know, it's like watching Bridget Jones. Like sometimes like, but uh, no, he like, do you know, I think we're both fairly like, I'm a bit more of an emotional character. Jimmy is very like to the ball and stuff. And I, but like, um, no, we and we have a great relationship. I'm lucky, lucky to have lived with him for so many years. Where um, I think one of the lads was trying to say, I've lived with uh, Jimmy O'Brien longer than I've lived with my parents because I went to boarding school. So, um, <laughs> well, it's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> What's the environment like when you actually go into an Andy Farrell Ireland squad? What's it like during the week? And not that one has to necessarily be better than the other, but how different is it to what you were used to at Leinster or what you continue to be used to at Leinster? Yeah, it's interesting because, like, uh, I remember when I went, went in my first time, I don't know, because you're kind of 
like the whole way through you're like uh you don't like monster you don't like like you know you have this like competitive nature to you i remember going in i was thinking i'm not gonna like any of these lads I'm not gonna. but then you actually meet them and they actually sound like you know you're just like so like there there was that first week to kind of get over that i was like okay these lads are nice but uh no like it's a i think the the really nice thing about camp is like um, you know, Andy Farrell wants it to bring out kind of the best in yourself. You know, if you come in for the first time, you'll always have to tell a story about yourself. It's, it's, a, it's always like bringing out confidence to people. And I, and I think now everyone's starting to see that because I remember, you know, at the start, we probably didn't start out like, we didn't start off as well if that era that probably we had wanted, obviously. Murray was very harsh on you, I thought. Yeah, so obviously a few of Murray's <laughs> articles my was uh, cut deep. But, uh, <laughs> no, but like, you know, because we believed and we believed what we were doing and like we knew he was bringing this confidence into us and this whole new like nature to us. And, you know, that was exciting. And obviously our resu- results at the start were go- weren't going like our way. But like you obviously see now like we're like everything's going well and like lads are playing well and you see that in the flow of the rugby you know the, w- the way we're playing at the moment so it's exciting times what to- what story did you tell about yourself you see I'd, it's a, I'm, I'm quite odd um, <laughs> and I can't remember what that story is and what did I tell that day you see that is one of the things that uh, I always have to pull myself back a little bit because I can get very odd on mic sometimes there in front of lads so um, I'll refrain from telling any story Fair well, What is the circumstances in which you're telling the story is it just sitting around with the team almost an initiation thing or is it more like at lunch or how does that work Like, Yeah but I'm actually sometimes able to like pull a st- like just make up a story about someone um, <laughs> and I actually feel I'd be really good at starting rumours and stuff um, and be, I can make stuff up like really well off the spot that I can actually start to believe myself I'm like Jeez, that's true. I can't think of any examples. That's probably, that's not a good start for anyone. Well, when it comes out that Jimmy O'Brien has an attitude problem. <laughs> oh, that, that was one of, that was one actually when you talk about Jimmy. So uh, when, when I was in camp initially, I was uh, chanting lads like Peter Manny and stuff. And uh, they'd, they'd be like, oh, who do you live in? And I'd be like, oh, Jimmy O'Brien and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, what's he like? And I was like, I lived with him now five years and I've never chatted to him. <laughs> So I remember at the time, uh, and I started kind of feeding this to a few lads. I was like, oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, like Jimmy, I've never chatted to this lad and we've lived together. And I, and I kind of made, I was like, yeah, we've been forced to live together. And, uh, and I, never, I never got to see the full story come back in fruition. I'd love to have seen Pete O'Mahony's first interaction with Jimmy, because I can imagine it was unusual. <laughs> Jimmy O'Brien's probably going through hell in this camp. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talking to him. <laughs> well, you mentioned going in the first time and thinking, I might not get on with some of the lads from the other provinces. And I guess we, we don't see how, I guess, just one-on-one interactions happen behind the scenes at Carton House or wherever. Is it a case of just having to walk up to people and talk to them or, or, or you know, sitting down for lunch and talk to them to get to know them first on the training pitch? How does the actual socialization go? Yeah, like you're, so you'd be sitting like at lunch or whatever and you kind of just get chatting to lads. It's, it is, it's natural, like it's not like, it's like, uh, that will lads a bit odd, let's sit him with, let's go put him into a room with, you know, a few of the big monster lads. And, uh, <laughs> in fairness, it's very just kind of natural. And, and you know, like, I, like everyone is just, you kind of do know at the end of, do you know those games? You know that, like, the lads are great crack as well. Like, you know, they're really good lads. Because like when you're on the pitch, it's like you don't know some of the lads they're just vicious 
Um, but, but Says yeah. he like it. <laughs> yeah, no, sir. I, I don't have a bad word to say about anyone. You've mentioned the Munster lads a few times there. Like, who, who has surprised you in particular that you've gone particularly well with that you didn't expect? Yeah, really, like, uh, I'll say his name for probably the fifth time, Pete. Uh, I actually, I didn't think I'd, like, not that I didn't think I'd get on with Pete, but a really, really nice lad, really salt of the earth. Um, even Conor Murray, all these lads, uh, like, you know, uh, like Ian Henderson is one of the nicest lads you'll, you'll ever meet. Like, they're just, and when you're playing them on the pitch, they're, they're different animals. And I think you, you do know when you, like, you know, you know that's the nature of the beast, but like, you know, and that's the thing I think with that Ireland group is that it's really, really good lads, and they like they have a proper bond. Like you know, it's not just I'll come together for a few weeks and throw on the jersey. It's like they've deep-rooted friendships there, and like you know, they'll have weddings, and you love like all those lads showing up to those gigs. Like you know, they're lifelong friends, and that's probably that's what you see in those in those big games, and what you'd be expecting this weekend is. You know, we talk about obviously the South African, what, what South Africa are going to bring, and but like, you know, those lads are going to dig in for 80 minutes for each other, and you, you can guarantee that. Like, the 42's Rugby Weekly Extra podcast. It's an absolute mess for them now. Everything in the world of rugby covered in one place. At the moment, there's not one part of the game that's, that's functional. This tour just puts them up there as a world class player. Expert analysis from Bernard Jackman, Owen Tulin, and Murray Kinsella. Maybe this is the end of this cycle of this group who, who have been underperforming for a long time. Reaction from the weekend's games. I don't see how any captain wouldn't be really pissed off in that circumstance. Big name interviews. Check was mad. He got something out of that team that I don't think any other coach could. Plus, exclusive access to Murray's weekend newsletter. Get all of this and more by becoming a member. Sign up today at members.the42.ie.